Okay, welcome to Movie Left, a Move Left Idiots podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined by my co-host, uh, br- uh, Comrade Bradley Whitford. Comrade, what's going on? <laughs> I'm doing good. I don't know who that one is either. Which the, uh, I would have voted for Obama for a third term guy. Oh, well, he's not a vampire. I mean... Yeah, he's not really a vampire. He's sort of a. It's well, I mean, spoilers for the movie. He he he, he he's predatory like a vampire, and that he, <clears throat> he yeah sucks out your essence, and then you know you. Yeah, I guess if you take some or whatever. most of someone's brain out, there's probably a good amount of blood in there. So I guess in a way, that's sort of sort of a vampire. Vampiric in uh in in, in you know in spirit, but in any event, um. Yeah, so we are uh, reviewing, obviously, uh, if you have not uh, figured out by the title of this uh, podcast, we are reviewing the 2017 film Get Out. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. smoke in front of my daughter i'm gonna quit she'd take care of that for you how hypnosis i'm good actually are you ready for this i'm back in the b so look i go do my research apparently a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb but it's cool bro how you're not scared of this man couldn't see no brother around here chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Sink. It's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. Too many white people are getting nervous. <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. So, yeah, uh, get out. What were your initial thoughts? Because, uh, I have a, you know, I, this isn't a very uh, thought out or critical analysis, but I just gotta say, this fucking movie is awesome. Like, like, ge- like, genuinely, one of the best movies I think we've reviewed for this podcast so far. We've reviewed a lot of mm-hmm. 
political, you know, documentaries and a lot of uh, just kind of fun movies for the show. But I think this is in terms of like an actual like great film in terms of just the writing and the directing and everything involved is just like a great fucking movie. But uh, what what are your initial thoughts of the uh, well, film? <clears throat> I hadn't heard a lot about it, um, and then you know I don't really follow a lot of films before they come out. I'm just kind of like, oh, this is here now. That's fun. Uh, I used to a lot more, but I it was kind of like um, I, I think it's great. It, to me, it's not a great film. Uh, it's a really really good popcorn film. I'll put it that way. Um, and it says a lot. And it's a movie that's kind of like, oh, everyone's going to come see it because it's a horror comedy by the guy from you know comedy central show and it's great what he did with it because it's like oh here's the other kind of racism not the overt racism here's the covert racism the for better lack of better well it's the really the best way to call it is liberal racism yeah white liberal racism Right. And the only thing that that I worry with the film is, you know, people who watch it will go, oh, these people are acting kind of weird and kind of strange. And then you find out it's just because they're evil and they want to like chop their heads off and put their brains inside of black bodies and everything. You think, oh, that's why. But I think that there's enough time spent before the shit starts to get really weird that you see all these little things where you're just like, Jesus Christ, are white, are, are, are well-meaning white people still really this racist? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is yes, actually. Yes. The um, is yes. Yeah. So no, in terms of it not being a great film, I'm curious. I mean, cause I, you know, your, your tastes tend to skew more towards the Paul Thomas Anderson kind of prestige Oscar d- typical Oscar fair is what I would say. I think in, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2018, I think we need to kind of amend and not, not to say that those other things aren't great, but I think we need to expand a little bit, uh, the definition of what can be considered a great film in terms of, um, modern cinema, because there's a lot of chipping <clears throat> made now in, in what would be considered a popcorn genre, like, horror even comic book movies you know we talked about logan Mm -hmm. i mean there are movies that are being made in those genres that i think transcend the genre and become moving pieces of cinema to the point where i i at least i you know and obviously it's all subjective but i personally feel comfortable calling a movie like this great or a movie like logan great you know because i think it yeah well and and he does that he definitely did something more than a horror film more than a comedy um in in has a really great rewatch value you know mm-hmm. a lot of horror films once you know when it's going to be scary it's you watch it the second time you're like oh that's i'm not especially the movie with the twist i mean that's that's even more of a feat that it has rewatch value that you know the twist going in oh yeah well and then you do see all the little tiny differences the, with the dialogue and what's what's really behind a lot of that stuff but you still know that like these even if these people weren't uh conducting these horrible medical uh abduction experiments um the things they say would still be extremely inappropriate in the sense of uh, polite society but not to their minds right but also we know people who do that shit like that's the great thing about this movie and that jordan peele i'm sure oh. drew from his own experiences of dealing with like Hollywood, yeah. you know, white liberals was like that he's experienced all of these fucking things minus the trying to cut your head off and, you know, use your yeah. body as like a well, robot just, body or whatever. Just, it, 
you know, just the 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 cliche or meme of voting. You know, the white guy who wants to vote for Obama's third term becoming <laughs> such a th- like a common thing that people oh, will you mean say. Eric Bollert? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's like oh, it's perfect. It's so perfect because it, it just it it says so many so many things with so few words, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I I really think that he he gets like that that there's a problem with white liberals in terms of the way that they virtue signal but don't do anything to actually help out black communities and help out you know struggling poor people in this country who are predominantly black uh you know in terms of uh economic uh income inequality and economic disparity uh well in in what you see so often with uh donut twitter is um you know when they pretend to speak for all the the best interests of black people because you know they've watched the west wing a few too many times, right? There was a tweet uh, that I interaction. This is a black woman who was saying, Bernie deserves a ch- the chance to run in a fair and unrigged presidential primary for a change. He, his supporters, and those who benefit from his policies should not be diminished. He was cheated. And by the way, Bernie would have won. The very next tweet was some guy who looks very much like the dad in Get Out named Lex Alexander, some random person, not a blue check account. He says... No, he doesn't, referring to Bernie. After the way he shat on the Democratic Party in 2016, and no, he wouldn't have, because he dismissed the same black voters he would have needed to win. Take a damn seat. So here's a guy who claims to that uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't represent black people, uh, telling a black woman to basically sit out and shut up and that she doesn't know what she's talking about. So this, this idea that like white centrist liberals are, are telling black people, no, you don't need healthcare. No, you don't need livable wages, but trust us. We're the ones who look out for you is just the most asinine, uh, just cannot fucking yeah. stand people that are like that. And, oh, of and course. are so well embodied with the character, the white characters. Like the way that they're the, 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 the hypocrisy and the way that they're being everything that they claim to be against. Like it's so fucking, maddening and kind of hilarious to me that they don't realize that they're doing it you know yeah yeah well and that's i guess you know when when i always say that it doesn't have to be a great film to say great things um Mm -hmm. i mean at least i think i say that but you know what the film is trying to say or what it's trying to convey (laughs) uh well not always but um that elevates it right so that that level of commentary in this medium elevates it to something more akin to a great film. Um, and because, you know, when I watch it and I go, Oh yes, yeah, I know people, ju- we know people just like this that are just this racist and would never consider themselves to be right. As yeah. opposed to the people that actually say like, no, I just hate black people. <clears throat> like they totally admit it. And you know, they have a Confederate flag and everything. Um, so and I, in some ways people like, you know, like that are even more damaging the, 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 the ones who hide it and pretend to be allies because they actually, uh, use their their faux progressivism when it comes to to black you know culture and black issues to get elected and then they do shit that's incredibly harmful to black communities like fucking bill clinton you know passed the crime bill created the mandatory minimums Mm -hmm. and three strikes laws i mean gutted welfare i mean these are things that a republican never could have gotten away with but but bill clinton because he went on arsenio and played a fucking saxophone 
uh, you know, was able to trick a lot of people back before the internet and before people understood people's voting records, you know? He was relatively unknown. He was a governor before Mm -hmm. that. So it's not like everyone everyone knew he was full of shit and looked the other way. It's just you don't... Well, no, in in a pre-internet era, nobody fucking knew. You can't... You you weren't able to figure it out, you know? Now, nowadays, when a Bill Clinton comes along, people, like, sniff it out immediately and are like, oh, this guy's full of... You know, we see it all the time with (laughs) trying to run people like Michael fucking Bloomberg or... Cory Booker, people who just, you know, back the most corporate policies imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, that's not going to cut it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it, it's, it's done well. And then it doesn't, it doesn't just stick with the commentary. It finally does turn into a real horror film. And that sense of confinement and just being strapped to a chair or uh, being sucked into the sunken place, like that all, it's all still metaphorical. Obviously, you know, having, um, you know, it's it's all obviously a metaphor for slavery, uh, but it's it works really well, and you're really rooting for him to fuck them up, and then you get that payoff where he does fuck them up, um, and the acting uh, also just where he's so calm and takes everything so in stride, and then that dude's a fucking great. I've never seen him in anything before this. He's a great fucking actor. That guy. Oh like, yeah, he really yeah. nailed the subtleties of this part, and like nailed the subtleties of. And I think, and I, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but I think some of some of the quotes I have from him a little later in the trivia kind of speak to this. I think he really was able to channel a lot of his own experiences with white, you know, liberal quote unquote allies. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> any black actor would be channeling those things. No, I know, um, but like, I just, I just think some of the shitty, you know, just the subtle. I, I, I don't know, I, yeah. especially that party scene, like where he meets everybody who we later find out are, are there for essentially a slave auction, you know, like those, when right. he meets all those people like that, it just felt so fucking authentic well, to me. Uh, well, and then also when he's yelling and he's like, Rose keys, like, and he finally like loses it. Oh, I love like, that scene. To- comes totally unhinged. Give me the keys, bro. Yeah. Like, it, and that only carries the weight because you haven't seen him react even close to anything. And mm-hmm. now he's, just oh, he's like, been so chill the whole movie. Right. Right. Um, so to have that range and like do that that well, and it's you know it's a small moment, but it it has a lot more impact because of that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite moments in the film, and he, where he finally snaps, and she's like, "Come on, you know I can't give you these keys, baby." And like she doesn't even change her tone. She's oh, just yeah. well so psychotic. And we were we were suspecting this, and then it's just like you can't really you know they're so, either in there or they're not. Quit fucking so the, around. Okay. So the fr- well, so I mean, we and we at that point we already kind of knew because he had found the pictures of her with all the other black dudes when she said that he was her first black uh, boyfriend. So we're like, all right, she's in on this with the parents. Kinda, oh, at sure, that point, sure. But that was kind of so you know, the, the the final nail in the coffin. The, as the far first as... time around, when did you re- like? I didn't. I don't think I realized until I until he finds the photos. Like, I, I it didn't even occur to me that she could be a part of like i really thought like oh her parents are fucking nuts and she's just like oblivious to it oh no i could i mean you could tell because she was um just you know it's she's the one who lures him there she wouldn't be there in the first place if it wasn't for her yeah but so yeah i don't know maybe i just wasn't thinking about too critically because i was so in like engrossed in it but i bet you any like black person watching is like oh no she's totally fucking in on it from like the moment yeah well (laughs) something weird with like the parents start uh, happening it's a riff on look who's coming to dinner, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, only this time it's not, you know, there was a yeah. kids in the kids in the hall had a really um, funny sketch where they had uh, Scott Thompson in blackface and it was like a riff on look who's coming to dinner, except the parents are like really fucking cool to the guy, but the, the girlfriend's still just like, 
what did you say, Dad? You racist? But like the, the parents said nothing racist at all. They were like totally <laughs> fucking hip, and I don't know, it was it was funny. Like the only time you could do blackface and have it not be offensive was this sketch on Kids in the Hall. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, just my, some of my scattered thoughts on the movie. I love the use of uh, Redbone at the beginning. The song, like when he's when he's kind of getting ready and like in his apartment, that the mm-hmm. childish Gambino song. Yeah. Um. And, you know, funnily enough, I don't know how much I think Jordan Peele says it, he picked it because he just really liked the song. But the lyrics of the song are like the plot of the movie. Like it's it's fucking nuts. And that song was not written for the movie, but just about, you know, like, uh, don't close your eyes, stay woke. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, there's a lot of like interesting little nods to the, to the plot of the movie and like sure, kind of the twist sure. of the movie. So it wasn't like um, the song in Deadpool. It's like actually talking about Deadpool, like saying his name in the song or anything <laughs> that like that. That's fucking so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, that was my only, my only beef with that, uh, Jordan, the, with the video where the guy like put all the, uh, um like marvel movies like in the in the jordan peele clip which i'm sure people yeah, saw weird. making the rounds like, oh that was it got it was disrespected deadpool 2 i was like man fuck that that was a good movie <laughs> no that, but I deadpool agreed with every, 2 all of his no but that was the one where the woman tried to hug him and he like pulled his arms off so i thought oh that yeah was... he was like he was like he was like it's, it was it was good it wasn't that good like that was, yeah, that was yeah, the implication yeah well you know um, it's uh you love the Captain America movies, which I, you know, I agree with because those oh, I think are the well, best of the solo movies. It was perfect because all three are perfect, and like it was like he's hugging three people at the same time. So <laughs> yeah, whoever did that, uh, and I checked I, when I saw it yesterday, it was at twenty two thousand RTs. Uh, I checked back on it today; it's at like one hundred thirty three thousand or one hundred thirty three. Well, it had like RTs. six million views, I think it said on the video. Oh player. yeah, six point yeah. four. It's crazy. Um, yeah, good shit. Um, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, Jordan Peele, I feel like, is such a natural auteur. Like, this is his first fucking movie directing, and he just has this great sense of tension and dramatic tension, just shot selection. Uh, you know, I, I really, I, I can't wait to see the shit he does next, because I, I, I really do think he's like a natural auteur. Like, I'm sure he's gotten experience working on the sketch show, but as far as I know, he didn't really direct much on that show. He just kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you're yeah, on was, set, was you're that it, close but... to the camera. Like you, you definitely well, actors, learn. Like, yeah. I'm sure he's looking at the monitor, going, "Oh, that's how they frame up a shot like this." So, um, yeah. And he, the other thing, you know, he respects the audience to understand subtleties. You know, you don't have to explain mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the the dynamics of a relationship between a um, you know young white woman who is dating a black guy who's a photographer in New York City like it's just like that's just such a you know whatever um, yeah there, you don't have to show a lot of that relationship to just kind of plop us into it and we know exactly what kind of relationship this is you know and um, so and it's not that it's necessarily cliche but we just we don't need to know a lot about the characters there is no backstory to these two people really other than what we yeah. learn about the family being part of this cult, you know, basically of a no, kind of a throwback to old uh, occult societies from the early last Satanic turn of the century. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they yeah, were still practicing things like eugenics and phrenology. <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, so, I, you know, there's so many little hints as to the twist of the movie even from the beginning that I just never picked up on, obviously, the first time around. Uh, like, you know, when... Uh, they hit the, and obviously people I think should go on the uh, get out kind of t- uh, trivia section for IMDb because there's 
at least like 80 pieces of trivia and I could not, you know, even begin to cover them all. But one that I thought was really interesting that had never even occurred to me is so like when they get pulled over after they hit the deer or, or when the cop shows up after they hit the deer, you know, the cop at the beginning starts harassing Chris and asks for his ID and you're like, oh, this fucking racist guy. And then she kind of saves him. So you kind of think like, oh, uh, you know, she's she's saving him from this this racist cop. But really, she didn't want the cop to have a record of his name. Or that he was like, you know, going uh, to their to their house. Like right. you didn't want to have. So right. it's just such a funny, like little, like oh shit. And that's even another allegory, you know, just that you 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 just assume good intent from like a white ally in that situation. But clearly, it was the total opposite. I thought that was a mm-hmm. really nice, subtle little point he made with that scene. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like that they made the cop bald because it's like ninety percent of white cops are bald. <laughs> and it's yeah, just, he didn't have shades you know, on. That was the only thing. He didn't have wraparounds. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you want to see an actor's eyes on a movie, but <laughs> you also, if he had wraparound shades, you have problems with uh, camera reflecting. Which I, yeah, I guess they could take <laughs> no, out digitally. Just but all fucking cops are bald uh, and wear fucking wraparounds. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and again, it goes back to the thing: like, are they cops because they're mad about going bald, or is being a cop just such an angry, stressful job that your hair Shit, falls out from it? <laughs> God damn it, you have to get back in the world. I am Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should like ban bald people. I think no, no offense to any bald listeners, but like they, they generally all the like the evil people in the world seem to be losing their hair prematurely. Yeah. Hey, you know who had great Fucking hair though? Bezos. Hitler. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He's, he's the exception. Had a terrible mustache though, that Hitler. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he's a trendsetter. I mean, yeah. he, well, you he, he ended that trend. trend. They were like, "Wow, Hitler did such a great mustache that like who else would? No one can top it." <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the reason. Oh god! Uh, All right, so. <laughs> favorite uh, in terms of favorite scenes you know i mentioned that 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 scene where like you kind of re- when you first i mean when you fully realize although at that point you kind of figured out that rose is in on it like the you know the give me the keys rose scene like hey you know where the keys rose but uh where he fucking loses it that whole sequence is great i i think I, and it's maybe a cheat to say but like the the entire ending sequence to me is just such a fucking strong from when he from that scene till basically the end of the film is just kind of one long string of events i think that's such a great uh like i i like when movies really build up subtly to tense moments and then just freak the fuck out for the last 15 minutes i think that this is maybe one of the best examples of that uh mm-hmm. that i've seen in a film oh yeah uh, and and they don't um like once he gets in control he's kind of just like te- beating every hurdle effortlessly at that point, you know, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like the, the definitely the third act where the guy has been beaten down gets back at everybody. Um, and in a lesser yeah. film, you wouldn't have so much of a build up and a payoff, you know, the scene where uh, at the dinner table, the first night that you know, he's talking to the brother and they're talking about different kinds of martial arts. Right. And he's like, Oh, you should really learn how to do this because you know, you have to think, think three steps ahead. Right. And then mm-hmm. when they finally have their battle, uh, you know, he's trying to get the door open, and every time the brother kicks the door shut, right? And it's on the third oh, attempt. He kicks three times. Yep, three st- I didn't exactly. even fucking think about that. See, there's so many little things like that exactly. that are fucking awesome. And in a lesser film, they would just have him stab his leg the first time, and uh-huh, you wouldn't uh-huh. even think about it. But instead, here we're like, oh, that's the fucking. Then he, he how's he gonna get out of this? Like, and then, such a great little, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's so well thought out, and so many little things that tie into other things. And again, it's like you don't notice all these things necessarily until you watch a bunch of analysis videos, and then you realize, 
how much thought goes into a film like this or how much thought this person <laughs> that, you know, Jordan Peele can put into a film like this. Cause not everybody can, not everybody's going to sit down and like make a script that good and think about all these yeah. different things. And, you know, imagine being a first time writer director on a motion picture and you win the fucking Oscar for best original screenplay. Your first time out of yeah. the gate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. No. And I think that was the strongest element of this movie was the screenplay that he, that Jordan Peele wrote. Um, yeah. you know, I yeah. think, I think you could have made a case for, other awards too, but it's really fucking hard to win Best Picture and Best Director, which he was nominated for both, by the way. This movie, yeah, uh, and and I I'll mean, talk about later in the trivia where the kind of where it sits in terms of other you know uh, prestige horror movies. But can you I, think, I think of another horror film that's won an Oscar? Yeah, oh, there's a couple. So I'll maybe I'll just skip to it now since we're talking about it. Yeah. But yeah, so Rosemary's in Baby terms did that get of an Oscar. Um, you know, actually, strangely, that, that probably could would have been worthy of one. Uh, this film <sighs> joins, <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, this film joins a handful of horror films that have been nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, such as The Exorcist, uh, which I'm sure at the time, you know, probably was deserving of one or at least deserving of a nomination. Um, Jaws, uh, Silence of the Lambs, Sixth Sense, which is a little iffy, and Black Swan. Hmm. Um, so it's actually it's in very rarefied air. It's only one of you know six um, horror movies. Yeah, the, just to be nominated, any of those actually won? Uh, yeah, I don't have that info. I don't believe so. I don't. I don't think huh. any of those movies won Best Picture. Um, John's might have gotten like Best Effects or something like for a fucking robot. Oh no, yeah, I'm baby. sure. That, I'm sure <laughs> they've won. Off, those movies have won Oscars. I don't think they even won Best. I don't think fucking Sixth Sense even deserves to be on that list. To be honest, no, but, no, it's not that um, good upon repeated viewing. <clears throat> but this, but this, I think you know, deserved the the, the kind of critical praise it got. Also, it had a perfect hundred uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which I'm sure uh, pissed off uh, racists to no end. So, you know, well, they can leave reviews fun. too. But I mean, my understanding is they don't well, the like. Rotten... If you're not actually reviewing the film, they'll delete it. You know, if you were just like, well, no, the Rotten like Tomatoes. Well, the the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter score, like the main score, is based on critic, like professional critic reviews. Oh, okay. Like All you right. can audience score i'm sure it's got like you know the f fucking michael moore's movies get like a four and five out of ten on imdb because <laughs> a bunch of fucking right-wingers go and downvote it but like i just saw his yeah. recent movie which we'll talk about you know on the main show this week fucking amazing like the best you know i think the best documentary he's done we'll, we'll hmm. save that for the main show but um in any event so yeah um that scene really stuck out to me. You know, the whole ending sequence, um, <laughs> the scene where he meets all the party guests is just so fucking cringy and kind of funny, but like horrifying, especially even when you don't realize what's going on, but when you realize what's going on, it's even more horrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, any scenes stick out to you in particular that you, uh, that you thought were strong? Well, I, I mean, I guess the, the whole sort of, um, it's hard to talk about this without also going into the whole being John Malkovich thing, but mm -hmm. <laughs> there was so many, um, you know, there's not really separate scenes in this film because it's kind of, there's not really any time jump between the scenes. It's all in one weekend. And when you realize like, it's really just not even 48 hours that all these events take place. Um, it does, it just feels like it's almost one just kind of continuous thing. Um, but I probably just the, I don't really know if it's my favorite scene, but when you finally meet the dad that you've been told about, you know, <laughs> you you see so much of that with centrist liberals, you know, uh, and it's just he plays it effortlessly. He used to be on the West Wing, obviously, so I'm sure he was chosen <laughs> partially for that. 
Uh, and, and the weird part I, is that that actor, you, fact, he actually is. Yeah, yeah, that actor actually really is that character. You know, he. I don't know if that actor was aware of what the role really was. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he was able to play it so well because it was like, oh, this is great. I'm a, I'm an ally, but then oh man, I have a weird twist at the end. But you know, I can still yeah. play this like my. But he's like, uh, but Jordan Peele probably was thinking like, no, I chose you because this is who you fucking are in real life. You exactly. fucking douchebag. <laughs> like, well, um, and it was... he's like that on Twitter. He really is. Bradley Whitford yep, is a fucking horrible is. neoliberal centrist piece of shit on Twitter. Um, yeah, I guess the a lot of the kind of like classic horror scenes where he's talking to the other uh, black folk who are, are, well, have had their brains um, changed, who are mm. just working around the place. Like those are kind of those conversations designed so to build tension. Don't really do a whole lot for me, but you kind of need that there to have sort of like, a, oh, things are getting weird, you know, like you, you need those parts. But um, I guess really just the climax of it, you know, and also yeah, obviously no, so the TSA best friend was a great. Um, oh, God, dude. <laughs> He's the best fucking character. He so. That's you know I, I I gave him my award for the biggest overactor, but I also think he's my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> he's yeah. such like an out of place character in this film. He he's definitely like what people would consider like a stereotypical black character in a film in terms of the way he was written. Mm-hmm. But he just fucking works so well in this movie. He's so fucking funny and like, I you know I don't know. I there's just something about him I just absolutely love. His buddy Rod. Well, and, and buddy. to be so specific of a job, you know that like because. Uh-huh. A lot yeah. of people work at, you know, it, for the TSA, thousands and thousands and thousands, and it's considered to be sort of a thankless level job as far as, as law enforcement goes, but a very important one, you know, and everyone bashes on the TSA and blames them for shit. But you got to remember, um, you know, nobody was doing that until the TSA started to try to unionize back in the uh-huh. Bush administration. Everyone was like, oh, TSA, thank you for keeping us safe from the terrorists. And then as soon as they started to unionize, all the TV networks got against them. Um, and everyone started to act like it was their fault, that it was TSA's fault, that like now you have to take your fucking shoes off. Like, no, that's... <laughs> that, no, that's fucking George Bush and Dick Cheney's fault. Like, yeah, we, it's the know, de- it's like... fucking fascist Department of Homeland Security yeah. that decides all that Tom shit. Ridge, you know? TSA is just who actually has to carry it out. Um Funny thing about the TSA, and I'm gonna, you know, skip ahead to one of my pieces of trivia. Also, uh, yeah, uh, that's a director trademark of Jordan Peele's. Uh, Rod Williams, a TSA agent, is a highly sympathetic character. Uh, Jordan Peele has said that he has a general affection for TSA screeners, and doesn't just see them as annoyances at the airport. And uh, several Key and Peele skits actually center around TSA agents in various settings. For that reason, mm-hmm. no, it's good. He, it's good. Yeah. Well, I guess the scene where. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where he gets to really shine is when he's trying to convince the um, uh, the detective of <laughs> everything that's going on, and and then of course it's they were just entertaining his ideas in order to laugh at him, and then she gets that line. She's like, "Didn't I tell you? <laughs> Didn't I say I never did nothing for you?" <laughs> Or like whatever <laughs> yeah, she yeah, said, yeah, you, get yeah. the, you get the gist of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. just explaining. He's like, "Oh man, I think they're using them as as, as, uh, as some kind of sex slaves and shit." Sorry about the shit. Like, yeah. just He's so like, not, "Not just regular slaves, but sex slaves." <laughs> like, and they tell you what if he just came with them with a missing person case, they she probably would have believed him. But of course, he's too Maybe, into yeah. it. And you know, <laughs> actually, technically, in a way, he's right. You know, he's right about well, that. Well, he fucking duties. The, the great part about it is like he's, you know, he seems kind of hapless, but he fucking saves a day at the end of the movie. Like it's well, so great. Yeah. Well, and and it also was such a great, um, you know, playing against type where uh, the the cop car he rolls up in a cop car, 
And of course, and we see like, the lights fuck. of it, and you're like, "Oh, I'm I've just been caught strangling a white woman," you know. And then of course, uh-huh. you see that door open, and it says "airport," and you're like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" <laughs> Best friend fucking you know, saves him. You know, it's funny. A lot of movies will do this where they'll test screen things. They actually filmed an ending where uh, Chris, where that's an actual cop, and Chris ends up in jail. And Rod like goes and visits him in jail, and that's like the last scene in the movie. And he's like, "Man, this is too fucking depressing. <laughs> like, we need." I think he's. I think he said after Trump got elected, he's like, "Look, we need a win, man. I can't. I can't end the movie like this. I gotta. I gotta. Be, I gotta give a little bit of well, a happier ending." Yeah, it's like Black Mirror being way like just way too fucking dark, and they finally had mm-hmm. um, several episodes this season, Change season Junipero. four, where. Uh, the good guys actually win and get out of the fucking uh, you know nightmare that they're Hellscape, trapped in. Yeah. So, but yeah, I thought, I mean, it, it's, you want to have a couple different options just because you wanted to make money, of course. And if people hate an ending and you're, and, you know, okay with it, having a different ending, you want to have those different options, obviously. But well, I think he did it for, you know, just purely because I think he was like, so like, like, man, I can't, this is too fucking depressing. Like, I think, I think when you sit with things, sometimes you realize like, all right, maybe my first instinct wasn't my best instinct, especially in, in movies. Like you did certain things you can definitely see a different way when you when you kind of come back to it you know for sure for sure well i also like they didn't have sort of the the trick ending where you're like oh the bad guy is dead and then of course he's not really and you get like one last little mm-hmm. like cheap scare out of it you know in this it's like now there's a little uh you get you get shot in the stomach with a fucking rifle like you're <laughs> you're, well, you're, you're gonna die, die. you're gonna die out. pretty yeah. quick and you know, <laughs> i mean within a few minutes or so but i i, I do i am concerned for chris uh post the events of this movie because it's gonna be a hard thing to explain to to cops but whatever i mean i think you're not supposed to think about that too much yeah yeah well you know you do have a little our justice system uh, medical lab down in the basement with uh it's a little hard to explain away well but but it burned down i don't know how how much of it you know yeah that's true burned down so no matter what have a tough time (laughs) yeah he's probably still gonna be in jail (laughs) they just skip that part um yeah, in terms of some favorite quotes, obviously, you know, I, the the one that sticks with me and you and probably everybody is, you know, I would have voted for Obama a third time. Um, and you know what's funny? I think he actually means that, the character. I think he does actually mean that. Like, he doesn't think he's racist at all. Like, he doesn't. Like, he genuinely thinks he's no. a good guy. Well, how can just... you be racist if you support systems of oppression uh, with a black president calling the shots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not possible. Exactly. Not possible. Can't be racist um, if you voted for a black person. One of my one of my favorite Rod quotes too. He's like, "Man, you never take my advice. Like, don't go in a white girl's house. What's you doing? Licking your balls? Why the fuck you going around?" It's like, <laughs> it's just such a funny quote to me. Um, yeah, everything that dude does is gold in this movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let me get to some interesting trivia about the movie because uh, there's there's quite a bit, and I, I I again highly recommend people go check out the Get Out IMDb trivia section because it's really long and there's a lot of almost everything I read was really kind of fascinating insight into the movie and into Jordan Peele's thought process. Um, uh, so Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Kaluuya? Kaluuya? Uh, Chris in the movie was given the lead role on the spot after nailing his audition. Uh, writer, co-producer and director Jordan Peele said that Kaluuya did about five takes of a key scene in which his character needs to cry. And each take was so perfect that the single tear came down at the exact same time for each take. Which is fucking crazy. Like, I'm assuming he's talking about the scene where he's, like, frozen and can't move and, like, the little... T- mm-hmm. That's nuts that he can do that shit on command. That's a pretty, you know... Yeah, crying on command is a tough... You've got to really know yourself and know what 
like horrible trauma you have that you can bring up as a, mm-hmm. and get yourself to cry, you know, a perfect moment as a reflex. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, obviously, There's you practice great craft, actors that but, can't do that, even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, or so, even someone like Daniel Day Lewis probably can't. Like, he has to actually experience whatever the thing is he's reacting to with, <laughs> yeah. his, with his method, uh, like which you, you could argue actually isn't acting. It's just convincing yourself of a alternate reality. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, director Jordan Peele said the scene where Walter uh, is running at Chris, you know, where he runs at him and then turns at the last second. Uh, and the audience at full speed is a nod toward the power of depth in films. Uh, he cited North by Northwest uh, as an example of this technique, stating uh, somebody running at you or towards you just creates a, vi- a visceral and physical emotion for the audience. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean about just he just fucking gets filmmaking for a first time filmmaker. It's so crazy that he would put a shot like that in there because it's such yeah. like a non-important scene but it really just adds to the well, weird fucking it, it, tension right. of this movie but it's like that was the grandpa who was bitter because he lost the the track race to jesse owens yeah so that's that's <laughs> like yeah. literally he's like trying to beat his time right mm-hmm. yeah I, I just thought that was a really cool little uh tidbit mm-hmm. uh, i mentioned the tsa thing already uh Jordan Peele directed scenes in the movie. Well, this is really funny. He directed scenes in the movie while doing impressions of Tracy Morgan, Forrest Whitaker, and Barack Obama. So he would like direct from behind the camera using those voices. <laughs> that, yeah, that's fun. Just really funny. And his his Obama is fucking great. Like it's it's pretty spot on. Yeah, even when you watch the like that Marvel video clip, because uh, I hadn't seen yeah. it for a while, and I mm-hmm. kind of I didn't remember what the context was because the you know there's no audio there. Um, and, uh, just his mannerisms alone, even without the voice, you're like, oh no, that's, that, he, he's really, really good at, at mimicking the president, considering the fact he doesn't look anything like Obama. Like he, no, like, no, he just, he exudes his fucking personality so well. Like you don't even think about the fact he doesn't really look like him. <clears throat> um, the opening sequence of the film is partially inspired by the opening of Halloween, uh, which Jordan Peele described as a subversion of the perfect white neighborhood, um, which is an, a nice little subtle nod. And I, I didn't pick up on that, but I watched uh, Halloween recently again, and I was like, oh, fuck, it is, it's very similar to that opening shot. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's really not the suburbs. Yeah. It's just kind of just like a, like a very old, um, you know, urban neighborhood that where houses are actually built to the curb and um, you can still mm-hmm. like walk and bike to, to a school, you know, kind parts of, of like Brooklyn kind of look like that. You yeah. Know, they're, yeah. They're long Island for sure. Um, <clears throat> we'll just also have a, the, a really long yeah. continuous shot to always builds tension when you're following somebody walking at night without any edits for sure, a long yeah. time. You're like, this is something's going to happen because they're not cutting anything. And then you see that car kind of pull up and then turn around. You're like, you can just run. You can just run away and get away. You're like, no, no, it's a horror movie. He's not. (laughs) And that's something that I think people who aren't like, we both, you know, kind of studied film, but people that don't study film don't even really, they don't even say like, oh, he hasn't cut yet. But like, I think they just instinctively have an uneasy feeling when you, when you have a long shot like that, you know, that's the whole point of it. Just knowing how to manipulate your audience is how you elicit an emotional reaction. (laughs) You know, if, if directors didn't know how to do that, nobody would come to see them. Right. Uh, I remember when I watched, um, La La Land for the first time, I thought, I don't like musicals. Even if it's modern, I never have liked musicals. It just doesn't, it, I can't get into it. And that opening shot in La La Land where they're all on the freeway and their cars are all jammed up and they're all dancing. I was like, eh, 
eh, it's doing nothing for me. Yeah. Until I got, got about three minutes into it, and I was like, holy shit, there hasn't been a cut yet. This is all one continuous <laughs> take. This is fucking amazing. And from there, like that, just that was the thing that sucked me in was that that nonstop continuous take where you had to, even though it's a movie, totally appreciate the fact that this was a massively choreographed dance number. The way a real, mm-hmm. real well, it is a real musical, but the way a, a yeah, you know yeah, an yeah. onstage like musical would be yeah. exactly. Um, I I love that director by the way, Damien Chazelle. He, uh, you ever see Whiplash, the first movie he did? I'm trying to remember if I have seen that. Sounds familiar. The one with uh, J.K. Simmons is like the d- maniac uh, band leader, and he's like teaching like oh, the kid to drum. You know what? No, I haven't. I uh, that's on my list. That you should, that's fuck. You'd love that movie, man. That's a good movie. And he's doing the new uh, Neil Armstrong movie with Ryan Gosling that's coming out. That looks uh, really yeah, good. Yeah, the one that's going to piss off First conservatives time. because they don't actually show him planting the flag on the moon. You know that they, they, they was that was that seriously like a controversy? Yes, was that like a, yes. Oh it's like they show it, but they don't show the instant he stuck the flag in. So even though they declared the way that they remember it, and they're fucking you know, yeah, uh, nostalgia you know, riddled brains. When, when Neil Armstrong uh, got to the moon and declared the moon in the name of America, yeah, not not all mankind, but for America, it's our yeah, it's our no, moon now. I, I believe that was his exact, his exact quote. One small step for man, one giant leap for the uh, country of the United States of America and yeah. no other country. I yeah. claim this celestial body in the name of the Pentagon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, regarding the sun, the meaning of the sunken place, uh, Jordan Peele said, the sunken place means we're marginalized no matter how hard we scream, the system silences us. Uh, you know, which we kind of mentioned, but I think that's just a, a good way to mm-hmm. describe it. It was very, um, also very similar to um, the black uh, death trap, uh, black goo death trap from Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson, only this was kind of more of a, a symbolism metaphor, whereas in that film it is kind of some sort of weird alien goo that dissolves human flesh and leaves their skin behind. Uh, and it, it's, yeah, if you, you've got to see under the skin, um, very Kubrick, very little dialogue, mm. uh, and is absolutely a horror film in every way, uh, in sense of the term. And even just like, I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and listen to the sound score isolated just by itself. I'll listen to the music and, um, yeah. it make like the first time I listened to it, I got scared just the music made me scared and I hadn't even seen the film yet. <laughs> so check that out. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's another thing that uh, this movie has a really good score. And I think good scores will unsettle you. Even if you don't know why, like, you know, there's certain score, like a lot of John Carpenter's scores, especially like um, Prince of Darkness movies like that. Mm-hmm. It, it just has such an unsettling eerie tone that like, you'll listen to it in your car and you'll be like, fuck Like, like you're like in a, oh, a yeah. state of unease, well, you know. And then when uh, Catherine Kinnear is is hypnotizing him for the first time with the yeah. the spoon and the tea, listen really carefully because mm. it's not an actual uh, recording of her actually doing it. They it it's a loop played. It's like a perfect like two second loop that starts playing, yeah. and it makes it more creepy because it like you suddenly realize that yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not just the sound of it; it's this you know like a record loop of the sound that is actually in the room, but you know, is taking on this kind of more hypnotic uh, thing. 
That's really cool. Um, Jordan Peterson. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Fuck. Uh, uh, Jordan, I was just thinking uh, that uh, today. I was like, Jordan Peterson's a really good. Ju- Wait, what did I think? What the fuck? <laughs> Speaking of racists, <laughs> no, Jordan P- Peterson is a uh, closet incel. I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah, no, oh, Jordan Peel. Uh, very much. Have you? Did you see his his uh, uh, like the streaming stuff he'll do where you could see his house behind him no. and it's just absolute squalor. Like not just really? not just cluttered, but like. It, Dishes stacked up and shit. Yeah. It, he doesn't know. He hasn't gotten that Coke brother money yet? No. He doesn't know, like, people can see how, what of a schlub he is. <laughs> You're like, dude, <laughs> film with a background so we can't see how pathetic your life is. D- isn't it, doesn't he have a whole fucking thing about, like, how men should clean their rooms more or something? Like, Yes. That's what's so funny. Weirdo. That's what's, it's like Bill Cosby telling, you know, the black youth to yeah, black pull, their youth parent, to pull your pants up and behave better. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> It's, just, it, it's, always, it's always <laughs> people that are like so pissed off about something that does not matter that are just projecting some evil shit they actually do. Yeah. That whole thou doth protest too much. Exactly. Exactly. My dad said that all the time. It's the people that are, you know, you know, it's okay to be upset about a massive injustice. But when you're mad about something like, oh, hike your pants up because you know, like what? Who that doesn't? Who fucking yeah. cares? Who cares? It literally not, does not hurt anything if somebody. You know, I remember back in middle school, everyone would, would wear the jacket uh, hanging off of one shoulder or the other or both, and people were like, "Oh, that's just the same as sagging your pants." And it's like, but who fucking cares? It literally affects nothing. Yeah, no, I know, fucking idiots. Um, so uh, Daniel Kaluuya uh, has said that he uh, can relate to the party scene. <laughs> Uh, he states uh, that party scene was just like, oh, I've been at that party. I'm going, I'm going to that party. Uh, like the kind of racism that isn't even seen as racism, that isn't seen as kind of like uh, mainstream racism. It's just life, and to explore that is quite an uncomfortable conversation. And uh, Jordan just spoke his truth. He cinematically articulated an experience that millions of people go through, uh, and they are made to feel crazy for going through that. But he just said, no, actually, you're not crazy. So yeah. I, you know, yeah. as I kind of suspected, he he definitely drew from personal experience on that. Yeah. Um, Did you you've seen Luke Cage season two? Uh, I haven't watched season two yet. No, oh, I, watched, no. I well, like season one a lot. He he gets hired mostly. as like a bouncer at a a high end party, and it's kind of the same thing where people just want to like you know because he's like this neighborhood celebrity, you know, as a superhero. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. So people are just coming up to him as though he's a, a, a like a wax figure like they just want to take selfies with him and then they start like you know uh like play attacking him you know because they know he's really strong and it's like it's just very much the same kind of thing of like here's this you know um the 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 myth of the black man is just this indestructible uh superhuman kind of a thing and they they play on that and and really shows how he like fucking hates it (laughs) he doesn't want to be there but he has to for money um, in an interview with Bradley Whitford uh, on NPR, which was just such a funny sentence in itself. Uh, wait, wait, don't tell. Uh, oh, wait, no, that's sorry, that's the name of the show. Uh, in, in, on the NPR radio show, wait, wait, don't tell me. Uh, Whitford explained that Jordan Peele wanted him for the role of Dean Armitage because of his prior role as Josh Lyman from The West Wing. Whitford said that Peele wanted all of the Armitage family to have uh, a distinct quote white liberal feel to them. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I'm sure he totally took as a compliment and did not at all understand the actual implication of. But no, I think that's no. just so funny. Well, and then the film blew up so big that, of course, he couldn't go out there, Jordan uh, Peele, and really he couldn't really say the words liberal racism. And he had to kind of like very uh-huh. be uh, subtle about how he talked about it in order to not offend anybody who may have thought, oh, I'm definitely not like those white people, but they still were. Everyone at the Academy who was hoping <laughs> yeah. that would vote for his movie to win hey, a fucking award. Yeah. if I vote for this movie, I'm not racist, right? <laughs> uh... <laughs> but no, he. I, I heard some interviews where he definitely alluded to that, um, and, and it's pretty clear just in plain text when you watch the movie that that's what he was, you know. Yeah, well, th- and that's uh, how the, to... the, the line about voting for Obama three times sort of transmuted into, uh, I've seen Get Out three times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned how this this uh, is one of only six movies nominated for Best Picture uh, with The Exorcist, Jaws, Silence, Sixth Sense, and Black Swan. Black Swan, I didn't really think. I mean, it's kind of a horror movie, but that's, you know, whatever. In any event, very, very limited uh, company, which is it, which just speaks to the, the, uh, the reach of the movie, um, for sure. Um, this is an interesting piece of trivia that I'm sure people, if you were active on Twitter at the time, uh, saw, probably retweeted. Um, the Hollywood Farm Press Association, uh, which is an organization of Hollywood journalists and photographers that conducts the annual Golden Globe Awards ceremony, uh, stirred up controversy when they stated in a press release that uh, this movie would be eligible for Golden Globe consideration in the best comedy or musical categories rather than the best drama categories. Uh, many say that this film, despite having moments of comedy, is more of a satire and overall serious in terms of the atmosphere. Uh, Jordan Peele responded by sharing his message on Twitter saying that uh, Get Out is a documentary uh, Yeah. <laughs> in response to them saying that. I mean, how the fuck can you watch that movie? Even just purely in terms of optics, even if you think like, oh, this is a funny movie, look at that movie and say, oh, this is a comedy. But I guess the people he's talking about in this movie do see this as a comedy because they don't really realize that they are the people he's talking about in this movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's, um, obviously, uh, it, it takes on a different tone, uh, depending on who you are and your own experiences where we watch this and it, it's still largely an abstraction to us. We get what the, what the film is and we understand what it's saying, but you know, it's, um, you're not related to people who have been slaves, Right. And you're not still thought sure. of in many ways, subtle ways as being somebody who's inferior. Um, so it, I can see how somebody would say, well, it's mostly a comedy. <laughs> you know, it still has lots of funny moments and humorous moments, but um, it's about something that is far more horrific than just this one family who's chopping people's brains up. Well, that's what I mean. I think people that would view it as a comedy are just so oblivious to the actual message of the movie and the actual societal reality. Well, I think they get and it. I think it's just well. I mean, I, I would I would hope anyone who likes it gets it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just I I I definitely see the people, the Bradley Whitfords of the world, actually thinking this is a comedy and like, well, obviously. You know that family it doesn't exist, and white liberals aren't really that uh, closet racist, yeah. and they don't really just use black bodies for you know uh, campaign, <laughs> you know campaign promises or whatever you want to call it, like just mm-hmm. kind of uh, with their own purposes and then toss them aside when they're done with them. But mm-hmm. uh, you know that's the reality, obviously, yeah. uh, which we've talked about plenty, and 
yeah, I, I think Jordan Peele definitely was <laughs> was heavily alluding to that uh, at the very least in this film. <clears throat> um, so but... I'm sure you have heard a little bit about the uh, the theories uh, surrounding the another film that some have said this is a uh, an homage, if not an outright sequel to, being John Malkovich. Now, that's also a film that you could argue is something of a horror story, uh, a little bit different sense. Uh, Horrifying movie, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's also, obviously, Catherine Kinnear, who plays a very similar character in both films. And some have said that this is actually a literal sequel. Now, uh, obviously not intentionally a sequel. Um, but when the when the theory kind of was floated to Jordan Peele, he said, um, yeah, actually, I, I can see the parallels, obviously. Uh, and why not? Let's just call it that. And he said it humorously, but it's like, I, I love all the, the, the ways that people have connected the world of Blade Runner and the world of Alien and have found literal yeah. connections where in really Scott's mind, it really is the same world, you know, just a, a future a little bit further down the road. And then there's just a ton of Easter eggs that connect it. So with this, it's like she could literally be that same character where they've gotten so much. She's gotten so into the idea of inhabiting other people's bodies that, you know, she wanted to do it in you know more than metaphysical ways or um, and actually start cutting people's brains out and, and doing this. And uh, if you remember at the end of uh, being John Malkovich, the last thing that uh, John Cusack sees, the tiny little window, uh, is the two women in their little, you know, four or five year old girl. There's another kind of theory that she, that girl, grows up to be literally Rose, that that's Rose at age <laughs> four or five, right? And that she yeah. sort of gets corrupted by it all, too, because she's got this uh, just petty, selfish person living in her head that can't outright control her, but sort of poisons her mind over time, right? Um, so mm. anyway, I just, I, I love that, that you can draw those parallels and also kind of like start making direct connections between the films that, you know, as far as age wise, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> she would be the exact same age, essentially. Yeah, it's really funny. I know, like that, that, that it really does match up and I'm sure it was unintentional, but that's such, just such, such a weird coincidence yeah. that Jordan yeah. Peele kind of stumbled into you know well and then it, you know like same in the same vein the the fan theory we're talking we were talking about demolition man where um you know the they never tell you where she's his daughter yeah they never tell you what happened to his daughter <laughs> because the uh you know uh, Sandra Bullock is actually his daughter grown up and somehow they just don't realize it you know and then they almost have <laughs> maybe sex. he realizes it and he wants to fuck her anyway oh. so he's like oh they'll, they'll look it up they'll look it up demolition <laughs> man up my directed by Woody Allen oh shit um yeah so uh obviously we enjoyed the film um we talked quite a bit about what we think this film was trying to say i don't think we need a separate category for that um any other final thoughts before we rate this uh thing uh yeah i just you know he i've always thought that you got to understand comedy to understand drama you know if if you can't write a good comedy your drama is not going to be fun to watch. It's going to be take itself way too seriously. And a lot of dramas do that. Um, so I'm glad that he got his start doing comedy, understands the timing, understands how to use the camera, uh, all that stuff. And <clears throat> when he finally decided to make a you know actual serious film, it's actually hilarious too. It's really funny. He's got great senses. And um, now he's going to be doing the Twilight Zone uh, on, on 
whatever network it is. I'm not sure. He's he's doing the reboot, and he's also doing another horror film called Us, which is kept the plot's been mysterious as of yet. But I'm very much looking forward to whatever he does next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it'll be good. I, it'd be interesting to see him actually do some serious acting because I think he could do some really bizarre stuff. You know, do things that. Well, he says he he's actually retired now from acting because he's so into directing. But I mean, that could yeah. Be, once you're an actor, you're always an actor. He'll direct himself. He's a great. He, look, I mean, shit, he's a fucking great writer. You know, uh, just like I kind of mentioned earlier, how I think a lot of the best uh, directors end up being actors who just studied under good directors. Or I was thinking that maybe I didn't actually articulate that. I think to your point uh, about you know being being able to write a comedy, I think a lot of the best dramatic actors are comedians. Like you think of. Um, people like Robin Williams is just a fucking phenomenal dramatic, was a phenomenal dramatic mm-hmm. actor. You think about some of his roles. Oh, you know? yeah. Well, and people, because he started doing stand up. So when he did, um, you know, um, Goodwill Hunting or Dead Poets Society, oh, so people were like, holy so shit, this guy's got some fucking dark shit going on. But of course, to be a really good stand up comic, you've got to be the darkest. <laughs> like you, or you have to be so able that's to, to the draw thing. from it's the like, darkest parts of your psyche. And and a lot of people, and I think he actually himself had said it, but a lot of good comedians will say, like, you know, to be a good comedian, you need to just have an unbelievable amount of sadness, and you really need to be able to be in touch with both human emotions and your own emotions. So I think that there's a real backbone of sadness to any good stand-up comedian, um, which is why, like, someone like Joe Rogan, who I really like his podcast, is not an unhappy guy. He's got a pretty good life. So stand up is not great. It's not bad. It's good, but I don't think it's 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 not transcendent in the way that Robin Williams's was or, you know, someone like Louis CK before uh, that yeah. whole uh, debacle yeah. or Dave Chappelle. I mean, Dave Chappelle is a I think the best modern, you know, like a- current uh active stand up. Yeah. And I think, you know, you just draw from shit in your in your life that's that's happened to you and you you really kind of like funnel that. Um, do you know Jim Carrey is another? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Do you know the Bill Burr bit about the gorilla, like watching the show about mm-hmm. the gorilla in bed with his wife and the kitten? No, no. Oh, you check it out. It's like it doesn't go where you think it's gonna go, and you realize that he's not a genius, but he can tell. He can make a joke out of anything, and take you mm-hmm. all kinds of different places you didn't expect it to. And then make like a huge moral point at the same time. And you're like, holy shit, this, this guy was just like a right wing comedian. And Bill Burr's actually got some pretty deep shit. So, yeah, he's he's a weird uh, politics wise. I don't, I don't even know if I'd call him right wing, but he's he's certainly like an old fashioned kind of guy. And like, yeah, but in any event, but no, I, but Jim Carrey is another guy who just you could tell just has a lot of sadness to him. And I, and I think he really is obviously known for his comedy work, but. You watch his dramatic shit. I mean, Man on the Moon is a fucking great movie. Man on the Moon, and he's so uh, good and 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 believable in that movie as Andy Kaufman, and mm-hmm. so like, there's such like a humanity to his performance uh, and a sadness to his performance. And you're like, that shit's got to be coming from inside. Yeah. And in Truman Show too is like just he. I I really think. Uh, and, or you know Bill Murray too. Like a lot of just the best dramatic actors are just people who really understand the human condition uh, in, in an interesting way. Like more so than people yeah. that just study and the con- acting in fucking <laughs> London or something. You know. Yeah. Well, and the condition not, of humans is definitely very sad right now. So it's a good time to be a comic, ladies and germs. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, what uh, what would you rate this movie? Uh, out, of, out of five hammer and sickles. I'll give it a solid four hammers and sickles. 
right. a solid four. I, uh, that's that's you know. No, it's good. It's good. I, I you know I'm gonna give it a I. I, I I, yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it a five. I mean, this is not a. It's not a scientific. I'm not rating it against all the other stuff I've rated, and I. I can't really find anything glaringly. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of wrong with it to me. So I'll give it yeah, a five. I, I would um, five. agree that you, you kind of got to take it with the category of what it is. You know, you can't really mm-hmm. compare Get Out to a film like uh, Phantom Thread, where it's just it's such a different thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll I'll give it four point two then. I'll, I'll give it a more. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So um, that was Get Out. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you liked what you heard from us, uh, we have an archive with all of our previous movie reviews. We've done a ton of movie reviews, and uh, we're going to be doing a bunch more uh, coming up. Uh, October uh, is my favorite month of, of the year because uh, I'm super into fucking halloween shit and horror movies and all that mm-hmm. stuff so we're gonna really be hitting that hard uh obviously get out is the first kind of in the string of uh movies like that we're gonna be doing uh, i would argue that blade runner 24 uh 2049 is a bit of a horror film um if especially because there's lots of st- there's horrific elements for yeah, sure. yeah yeah well there's lots of stabbing there's lots of knife stabby stuff in that movie too so it's a little more yeah, in the true. horror genre uh thing so i i would say there's one character in that uh, film in particular who's similar to a um unkillable uh halloween horror movie monster but <laughs> we did sure. we did review yeah, that yeah. uh under some yeah, protest that, that, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that you can check that in the archives we've done a ton of movies uh we're going to be doing uh lost boys coming up um also the first and second halloween films yeah, we're going to be stoked about that. doing that hopefully on halloween and uh you'll be able to hear uh our analysis of that and what it meant for the horror genre and just the general review of the film and some of the allegorical uh elements so you know check those movies out ahead of time <laughs> and uh yeah, so you can find us uh, on Fridays on our regular show. Uh, if you're just hearing our movie cast, I don't know how that would happen, but you never know. We actually get a. I think we get. I think we bring in some new listeners every movie cast. Uh, strangely, but um, yeah, you can check us out on our main show where we discuss uh, the news of the week uh, from a uh, leftist point of view. That is uh, Move Left Idiots. Uh, SoundCloud.com/slash Move Left. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash move left idiots. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, wait, I don't want to do Twitter yet. I'm, uh, you if you want to support the show, the uh, and get some merch. You yeah. You gotta, gotta show the t-shirts. If you want to support the show and get some merch, you can go to teespring.com slash move left. Uh, there's some t-shirts there, tote bags, mugs. Um, we are on Twitter. I'm at, uh, move underscore left on Twitter. Uh, and I'm at Chaos Riot nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, and go rate, review, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't done that already. It helps us out, helps us get heard by more people. And we will see you Friday for the main show. <laughs>
Thank you.